he's gay. I mean, he's gay, excuse me, he's blind. If you're at lunch, or if you have no appetite, now is a good time to switch off the radio. It will not be pleasant listening. Welcome to the Lawrence Ross Show. You sound a little taller on radio. A two-hour weekly exploration into the mind of a man who calls it like he sees it, but he can't see his audience. So what if I'm blind? At least I don't have to look at your ugly face. Want to interact with this fool? Call or text the comment line. 813-602-2715. Hope you enjoy the program because no refunds will be issued. Lawrence Ross Show. What's happening, everybody? Love to hear from you tonight. 813-602-2715. Before I get into anything, though, as is tradition, gotta let the boys of Aerosmith do it. is in the air baseball is back the nfl is going to do 17 games all that and more tonight on the lawrence ross show we'd love to hear from you tonight 813-602-2715 hope everybody out there had a really nice week uh just to uh, give all the information out again the number 813-602-2715 it's text and phone lines as well, folks. So if you want to text, you can do it, or you can just call, and it'll put you on the air. It'll be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Also, uh, well, if you don't want to be doing that, if you'd much rather use uh, Twitter, that is twitter.com forward slash at Blind Lawrence, or you can check out Facebook, facebook.com forward slash L Ross 1987. Uh, check out the merchandise, T E E Spring.com forward slash stores forward slash Elross 1987 and also Instagram is blind Lawrence and YouTube is youtube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross thanks for tuning in everybody got a lot of ground to cover uh, just uh, well getting into the personal recap so Friday night didn't really do all that much basically just watched uh, basically just listened to the show and just watched uh, TV and just uh some old stuff on YouTube and stuff like that. And Saturday was pretty much about the same. And Sunday, well, is, well, pff, laundry. <laughs> so all that much to say about that. And uh, work is still work. It's still happening. So still going through the motions in regards to uh, that. And, uh, oh, wait, hang on a second. Oh, I, I, just, uh, I, I just got a little uh, communications here. Uh, live with us on the ISDN tonight. He's on the ISDN with us tonight. In Quahog, <laughs> Stewie, 
Stewie, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, blind man? Yeah, going pretty good. So, uh, what are you going to be doing for Easter? You're going to be eating uh, some, uh, you're going to eat some, uh, eating some, uh, some candy, eating some, uh, eating some marshmallows, eating some, uh, eating a couple of chocolate bunnies? No, 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 actually, no, I actually don't eat, uh, candy. Well, of course you don't, because you drink so much damn soda. <laughs> oh, Peter's there too, huh? Yes, of course Peter's there, you bastard, with my family. Oh, all right, sheesh. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Stewie's a little cranky because I actually threw out his Bob to build the tape. Yeah, and Lois is mad at me over it. And Chris called me a dummy. And uh, Joe, I know what Joe's doing today. <sighs> I gotta call him. All right, all right, all right, all right, Stewie. So, uh, so well, what are you me? What what are you guys doing for uh, Easter? Well, the fat man's organizing an Easter egg if he doesn't drop the damn eggs down the toilet like he did last year. Hey, that was... <laughs> are you kidding? That was freaking hilarious. No, it wasn't, Peter. Now, pipe down, Lois. It was really funny. <laughs> All right. So you guys doing the Easter egg hunt? You were doing the Easter egg hunt, and, uh... You know, I wanted to get Lois dressed up like a bunny, but, uh... She won't do it. She won't do it. No, she won't do it, man. Yeah, well, just... I don't know, man. It's, uh... Might take a little bit of uh, coaxing, but hopefully you'll be able to uh, get it. Oh, uh, oh, and uh, oh, speaking of bunnies real quick, uh, I, I got this little thing that I made a couple of years ago. There was a video a couple of years ago uh, that, uh, that the YouTuber Trisha Paytas posted on YouTube. Oh, gosh, here we go again. Relax, man. It's all good. Um, but yeah, I cheated a video a couple of years ago around Easter time where it was like I... I it was it was like some sort of some sort of like bunny kind of a thing, and I wasn't sure if she was dressed up like a bunny or if uh, or if she was acting like a bunny, or uh, or if uh, or if she had a little bunny foo foo license plate. Yeah, I know, man, but she doesn't have that, man. All right, I, I'm just saying, man. Look, look, you know, I I don't know if she was in like a bunny getup or something, but inspired me to do this a little thing. Uh, what if Trisha Paytas was an Easter bunny? So I want, so I want all of you listening right now to picture—I don't know—picture uh, a nice, bright, luscious landscape. You're sitting there on the uh, on the grass, chowing down on a picnic. Could it be from uh, Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, actually, it's very good you said, Stewie, because here comes the bunny right now. Here she comes, cute little pink thing hopping around. Oh wait, hang on, oh wait, hang on, oh wait, oh wait, uh, oh wait, and uh, she's coming up to your basket there, uh, Stewie. Oh, 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 nice, oh. Hello there, Trisha. I'm so hungry. Thought your name was Trisha, not I'm so hungry. All right, relax, Stewie, look, I got this, okay, okay, okay. All right, so here we go, let's see, okay, let's see, okay, and this one, let's see, I got, uh, Okay, let's see, this is lettuce, okay, this is some celery from Buffalo Wild Wings, and it's a little bit of, uh, it's got some of their ranch dressing on it. Here, let's uh, try some of that. Mmm, oh man, she's really taking to it. Yeah, man, yeah, it's so bad, she didn't one bite. She must be really hungry, huh? Yeah, she must be. Alright, and let's uh, get the reaction. Got it, man. Okay, what else we got? Let's see. Carrots with some blue cheese dressing. Mm, mm, mm. That'll be good. Oh, yep. Oh, and there it goes. There it goes right down the hatch. Mm. All right. Oh, she likes it, man. Yeah, of course she does. And uh, let's see what I got here. Oh, 
Nice. I got some tricks here. This is pretty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I guess. Uh, what do you guess tricks aren't for kids anymore? No, they're not. As a matter of fact. Uh, well, here you go, Trisha. <laughs> hey, Stewie. Not for nothing. That was the last one. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Well, I know you got places to go. People to see there, Trisha. Any uh, any parting words? <laughs> oh, an air kiss. That's just as good. Yeah, it's just as good. Yep, and she's hopping away. Happy Easter, everybody. The show will continue after, uh, the show will continue in a moment. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, if, uh, uh what do you think the Easter Bunny is going to give you this year, Stuart? Do you think it's going to give you some, uh, 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 what are you looking for for each? You're looking for, like, uh, some chocolate bunnies or some peeps or, no, I'm looking for roulades and, uh, tuna clippers. No, of course I'm looking for, uh, what did everybody just say? Chocolate bunnies and peeps. You chocolate bunnies and peeps, man. I want that, man. All right, settle down. Sheesh. All right. Uh, what's this one thing I want to play for you, real quick? Because it is your fam. Because it's related to your family. Eventually dissipated, man. But yeah, this is this is uh, this is when your dad was hanging out, uh, when your dad's reflecting on uh, Richard Gere's house. Ooh, you know he's told me about that. He has. Yeah, it's kind of ooh. Yeah, well, here's a clip from that. Man, this sucks worse than Easter Sunday at Richard Gere's house. <laughs> okay, find the Easter egg. I know where it is. <laughs> it's in your butt. No. Yeah, I know the story. It's in your butt. Mr. Griffin, if you just look on the ground for five seconds, I'm sure you'd find it. Nope, in your butt. Look, nope. I'm tired of this stupid rumor. In your butt. Mr. Griffin. But Mr. But Griffin. You know what? Just get the hell out of here. Fine, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's something you should be glad you can't see, man, because it's, it's a really disgusting image. Sure it is. And now, here's a clip of me. When I was first hanging out with Trisha, when I did that scene for her. Oh, gosh. Look, man, you don't know the Screen Actors Guild, so, uh, just quit, trolling, quit trying while you're ahead. Uh, just wait till you hear this one, Stu. It's, it's actually really good. Uh, sure it is, man. Sure it is. Oh, man, this sucks worse than East at Richard Gere's house. Okay. <laughs> doing the impression man that's why man she thinks it's hilarious exactly well she does say well she has said that you are funny yeah thank you funny looking yeah no no dude dude that's what you say man yes what i say do 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 uh blind man that's what everyone tells you you're funny but they don't tell you that you're funny looking Find the Easter eggs. I know where it is. It's in your butt, Griffin. It's in your butt, Griffin. You want to just leave? Fine. Weirdo. Did you hear a squeak of a triple? <laughs> so wrong. Yeah, so there's that. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's a fun little, uh, fun little, uh, fun little thing. Yeah, I know, man. And, uh, yeah, well. Yeah, well, thank you, of course. All right, well, takes care of that. And, uh, 
You know, with this being, okay, well, let's see. Uh, get into a sports real quick, and I got a message from a Jim Rome today. He said he was taking Good Friday off because he takes a lot of it. He gets a lot of vacation because he takes a lot of vacation. So he's taking this week off. Uh, he should be back uh, next week, hopefully. Uh, but uh, baseball. Baseball is back in the swing of things, ladies and gentlemen. I want to play this for you. This this is a classic. These are both classic clips. And uh, the first one, we're going all the way back to the days of old-time radio. This is back in, I think, in the 30s or the 40s, I think. This is the this is the first, first version of this element that I had ever heard from start to finish. Uh, when I was growing up, I was often told about Avin Costello and who's on first, and I know that it was uh, mentioned in Rain Man, but I think when I initially saw the movie, all those references kind of went over my head. But uh, then one day I was hanging out with my grandma. We were at uh, Walmart. And uh, we got a couple of uh, old-time radio cassettes, and it said, Evan Costello, who's on first, and a bunch of various other elements, and the other side was a, a full episode, so uh, got the tape, and put it in, and well, this this is the version of who's on first that I heard originally, and I still think it is timeless, it's classic, it's iconic, and here it is now for your listening enjoyment. Back after this. You're going to be the manager of the retired actors baseball team? Yes. I would like to join the retired actors baseball team. Oh, you would? And I would like to know some of the guys' names on the team, so if I want to play with them, I'll know them, and I'll meet them on the street or in the home here, I can say hello to them. Oh, sure. But you know they give baseball players nowadays very peculiar names. You know, a lot of funny names. You know, like uh, Sticky Fields. Sticky Fields. Uh, Goofy Dan. Booby Barber. Booby Barber. I know all those <laughs> <laughs> but let's see now. We have on our team. We have who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find then, out. The guy's name. And then, uh-huh. That's what I want to find out. The guy's name. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. Now, Abby, you now, want to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, now you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. I say who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'm telling him. You ain't saying nothing yet. Go ahead and tell me. Who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. You know the guy's I'll... names on the baseball team. Yes. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy playing first. Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I don't know. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm asking you who's on first. That's his name. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. That's it. <laughs> That's his name. You said that. I ain't asking nothing. You did. You know the guy's name on first base? Sure. Well, tell me the guy's name on first base. Who? <laughs> the guy playing first base. Who is on first, Lou? What are you asking me for? Now, don't get excited. I'm saying who? I'm Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Well, go ahead. Tell me. Tell you what. 
Well, the fuel's name. Why? Because I want to know. Because. Oh, he's center field. You know these players as well. Who's in center field? No, who's on first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> Do you know the guy's name's on the team? Look, Louis, uh, you don't seem to understand. See, I have a first baseman. You, I know you got a first. Gets us, I ask you, what's what's the first? I ask you, what's the first baseman's name? No, what's the second baseman? I, I'm going to stop asking. So I ask you, what's the first baseman's name? What's the second baseman? I don't even get past the first. All right, who's on second? Who's on first? What base do you want to talk about? You talk about anyone you want to talk about. All right, now who's on first? Right. Okay. No, no, no. All right, you got a first baseman. Yes. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar. <laughs> He does. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. Why not, Lou? He's earned it. Who did? Yes. Look, will you pay off the first base from anyone? Do you get a receipt from the guy? Sure. How does he sign his name? Oh. The guy you give the money to. Oh. The guy you give the money to. Well, that's how he signs it. That's Lou. how who signs it? Yes. Who's right there? That's it. Who? Yes. And you say to him, here's your money, sign the receipt. How does he sign his name? Who? The guy you give the money to. That's how he signs it. That's how who signs it? Yes. Sure. <laughs> you gotta get a receipt from the guy, don't you? Get one, Lou. How does the guy on first base sign his name? Who? The guy on first. That's how he signs it. I'm asking. When you give the guy the money, what's the guy's name that you give the money to? No, wait a minute. What signs his own? Who signs his own? No, who signs his? <laughs> What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> the field is named the center field. I don't know. You got a pitcher on the team? Well, this be a fine team without a pitcher. It's a fine team. What's the pitcher's name? Tomorrow. Uh, you know, well, I, can't, I, I can't change that name. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you. Go ahead. Tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow, you tell me the pitcher's name. What time? What? What time tomorrow? You gonna tell me who's pitching? Who is not pitching? I'll break your line, you say. I wanna know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Third base. You got a catcher? Uh, certainly, you've got a catcher on a baseball team. Catcher's name? Today. Today. Tomorrow's pitching. Today's catcher. I have got it. Now I got it. All I got, we got a couple of days on the team. That's I all. I can't help that, Lou. I don't. You think. know, I'm a pretty good catcher myself. And so they tell me. Yeah, now I get behind the plate and I'm going to do some fancy catching, and tomorrow's pitching on my team, right? Yeah. Now tomorrow he winds up the ball and I'm behind the plate and the heavy hitter gets up. Yeah. Now the heavy hitter gets up and, he, and he's ready to hit the ball and tomorrow's going to throw the ball. And I'm the catcher. Mm. Now I'm going to try. Tomorrow throws the ball. A guy punched the ball. Now when he punched the ball, me being a good catcher, I'm going to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about! <laughs> well, that's all you have to do! Is to throw the ball at first base! Yes! Now who's got it? Naturally. Sure! <laughs> oh, the guy is running at first base, yeah. happened. I want to throw the guy out! So? So I throw the ball to who? Naturally! <laughs> throw it to who? Naturally. And who's got it? Naturally. Huh. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to Naturally. No, no, no. <laughs> You throw the ball to first base, then who gets it? Naturally. That's it. Now you're sure, same thing. Right. I pick up the ball, so I throw it to Naturally. You don't. I throw it to who? Naturally. That's what I'm saying! saying I said I throw the ball to who? Naturally. You ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. Same as you! Say it that I throw the ball to Naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Now who's got it? Naturally. That's what I said. Right. Whoever it is better get it. That's you all get I it. Don't worry about who. Who'll get it? Yes. He better. 
whoever just dropped the ball so the guard runs a second. Who picks up the ball and throws the what? What throws the, I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Could be. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caused. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. I mean, it, it, Oh man, man, that 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 is that is timeless right there. And there've been so many different iterations of it. Like there was an episode of uh, Garfield and Friends. There was a uh, when Garfield and Friends was a cartoon on uh, CBS Saturday mornings. It was it was originally a half hour show with two Garfield segments, uh, a couple of quick ones in between, and a short called the U.S. Acres, which was about a group of barnyard animals. And there's one episode where they did a uh, spinoff on who's on first on that one. They've done it on, on Animaniacs. There was even a Jerky Boys phone call that was uh, that kind of had like that similar, uh, I guess you could say, uh, that similar uh, cadence of that. Frank called this place. He's looking for a guy named Nam Hu. <laughs> so there you go with that. Uh, one more baseball thing I want to run for you. This 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 was after the back in back in the day the Chicago Cubs they used to play afternoon games. They never play they, they didn't play night games until later on. And this is from April 29th, nineteen eighty three. The Cubs had just lost. They were they they, they were they, they were kind of a, they were having a rough go of it. And Cubs manager Lee Elia, he was not too pleased about it. And here it is. Hope you all enjoy it. It's Lee Elia. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Because if they're the real Chicago fucking fans, they can kiss my fucking ass right downtown and print it. They're really, really behind you around here. My fucking ass. What the, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Go out there and let my fucking players get destroyed every day and be quiet about it for the fucking nickel-dime people to show up? The motherfuckers don't even work. That's why they're out at the fucking game. They only go out and get a fucking job and find out what it's like to go out there and earn a fucking living. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. The fucking playground for the cocksuckers. Rip them motherfuckers. Rip them cocksuckers like the fucking players. Got guys busting their fucking ass and them fucking people boo. And that's the Cubs? My fucking ass. They talk about the great fucking support that the players get around here. I haven't seen it this fucking year. The name of the game is hit the ball, catch the ball, and get the fucking job done. Right now, we have more losses than we have wins. The fucking changes that have happened in the Cub organization are multifold. All right, they don't show because we're 5-14. and 14. And unfortunately, that's the criteria of them dumb 15 motherfucking percent that come out to date baseball. The other 85% are earning a living. Take more than a five and thirteen or five and fourteen to destroy the makeup of this club. I'll guarantee you that. There's some fucking pros out there that want to fucking play this game. 
but you're stuck in a fucking stigma of the fucking Dodgers and the Phillies and the Cardinals and all that cheap shit. All these motherfucking editorials about say and fucking uh, the Phillyitis and all that shit, it's, it's sickening. It's unbelievable. It really is. It's a disheartening fucking situation we're in right now. 5 and 14 doesn't negate all that work. Got 143 fucking games left. What I'm trying to say is don't rip them fucking guys out there. Rip me. If you want to rip somebody, rip my fucking ass. But don't rip them fucking guys because they're giving everything they can give. But once we hit that fucking groove, it'll flow. And it will flow. The talent's there. I don't know how to make it any clearer to you. I'm frustrated. I'll guarantee you I'm frustrated. It'd be different if I walked in this room every day at 8.30 and saw a bunch of guys who didn't give a shit. They give a shit. And it's a tough National League East. There you go. There's uh, Lee Elia from 1983. And I remember, I remember, uh, I remember when Howard Stern played it on his serious show and i remember i think even uh i think even thomas pointing out he, he, was, he was wondering what's what's that sound like like right in the middle of the thing all of a sudden you start some like a vacuum cleaner or something <laughs> could be a vacuum cleaner could be a tape player i don't know only other sports thing i got the only real big sports thing i have is that uh is that uh, the nfl is now going to go 17 games this season which I really don't understand their logic behind this. They're scrapping one of the preseason games, but they're making the season a little bit longer, and they're going to be... <clears throat> and the... Oh, sorry about that. The... Uh, the... The... Uh, the uh, Super Bowl is going to be like the second week of February now. I remember, I remember back when it was... It was originally... When I was growing up, it was originally late January. And it was it was always late January, up until 2004. 2004 it was February 1st, and I guess it's been February, and it's been in that time frame ever since. And I guess I guess I I, I, I really don't know why they're doing it per se. I understand that things are changing these days, but I I, I really don't get their plan. I I, I re- really don't. <clears throat> so about that, just a little something in my throat. Uh, let's see. What else? Okay, hang on. Oh, all right. Uh, so let's see. Uh, well, the, the only, uh, uh <clears throat> let's see. Uh, getting some stuff that happened last week, and I heard about this last week. Well, we, uh, I just didn't have time to get to it. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't have time to get to it. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> the entertainment world has lost a big name. Jessica Walter, for those of you who watched, uh, Arrested Development and or Archer. Uh, you have uh, <clears throat> familiar with her work. I mean, she played uh, Lucille Bluff on uh, Arrested Development. And uh, she was the mom on Archer. She played uh, Mallory. This is a clip of her right here. Do you want... Oh, wait, hang on. Make sure I get the thing turned up. Okay, wait. Take two. All right, here it is. Do you want ants? Because that's how you get ants. <laughs> oh geez and that that's that's been that's been a popular uh thing on the internet for quite some time people have uh posted out on various uh blogs and forums and whatnot they'll say there's like a graphic or something they'll say that's how you get ants <laughs> it's one of those deals uh and the, the other name 
Dr. Bell passed away last week. Actually, uh, um, uh, actually, uh, actually, I was talking to some friends over the weekend, and one of my friends told me that uh, Beverly clearly had passed away. Beverly clearly, she was the author known mainly for the Ramona Quimby series. My first exposure to the Ramona Quimby series was in uh, third grade. I was uh, um, at this uh, textbook, Castles of Sand. It was it was it was a bunch of. Uh, it is it's a it's it's like a reading comprehension kind of a book for kids and they have all these cute little excerpts of stories and stuff and then you're supposed to answer some questions about the story that sort of thing you know that sort of thing it, it, it's you know it's it's really cute stuff and w- one of the stories they've highlighted was of ramona quimby and i can't remember all the details but i guess i don't know I guess, I don't know, I guess her mom told her that she was a busy bee or something, or she was like queen bee or something. So Ramona goes out and she gets like a bunch of burrs, a bunch of these burrs, and she like makes them like a, little, like a crown or something, puts them on her head. She comes home and she's like, daddy, daddy, I'm queen bee or something like that. <laughs> and then her oldest sister Beezus has to come by and undo the damage. <laughs> I read a couple of the Ramona Quimby stories. I mean, you know, they, they, were, they were cute. They were cute. There, 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 was, there was one that was really upsetting. Well... Well, the one part anyway. There was one. There was one section of the book where they had to uh, bury their dog, so that was a little upsetting. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, it's six thirty now. You know, I want to. I want to. I want to get into this real quick because this is a case of <clears throat> history repeating itself, and this is from the Weird History Channel. <clears throat> And I wasn't really, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't really going to reflect on this too much, but what's going on currently is that Pepsi is now teaming up with the, the people who make Peeps, the Marshmallow Peeps. So now what they're doing is they're infusing a pep, you know, the, the taste of Pepsi and Peeps in one can, but, but I mean, like, a, I don't know where they're coming up with all these new flavors. I mean, no one's really beating on the door looking for them. And I really don't know why these new flavors keep coming up. Because there was a flavor a couple of years ago of ice cream that was uh, coming out. Mayonnaise flavored ice cream. There was that. There's mustard flavored ice cream. There's all these different flavors of ice cream which shouldn't be flavors of ice cream. Like mayonnaise. That, that's one of them right there. You, you can look that up. Mayonnaise flavored ice cream. That does exist, unfortunately. But yeah, but uh, I wasn't I wasn't planning about talking about the whole Pepsi Peeps thing all that much. But then I saw this from Weird History. They did a thing on Crystal Pepsi, and it's uh, I think it's a pretty unique uh, tie-in in regards to how this all ends. So you just just gotta stick with it. But here we go. A little thing about Crystal Pepsi. Crystal Pepsi was first released in 1992, making its debut in a limited number of regional guinea pig markets, including. Denver, Colorado, Sacramento, California, Dallas, Texas, and Providence, Rhode Island. Well, in fairness, at least it wasn't like the big national rollout that Coke had with new Coca-Cola, and everybody thought that drink tasted terrible. It was, it was like, it was almost as if, like, I don't know how they came up with the invention of new Coke, but they must have found somebody in that in that marketing lab, you know, in in the lab when they when they were making it. They probably said here drink this 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 guy this guy won't really know the difference he just you know like I, I i don't know how that happened but for some reason when pet when new coke hit the market everyone tried it and everyone was like Ugh, this sucks continuing 
After establishing that there was a cry, nay, a demand for a smooth, clear cola-esque soda, the company opted to release the product to stores nationwide. By 1993, supermarkets across the nation had received an influx of Crystal Pepsi. Now, I was around in 1993. I don't remember Crystal Pepsi at all. I only know of it because I remember they talked about it on uh, Family Guy, and uh, that's about it. That's the only time I really have seen it or have been made aware of its uh, presence. All right, here we go. But by then, it wasn't the only brand of clear soda on the shelves. Uh-oh, they waited too long. The success that Pepsi had seen in their trial run of the product had leaked out to competitors. Uh-oh, got a leak. Particularly their chief competitor, Coca-Cola. Ooh, that's not good, at least for them anyway. Sniffing an opportunity, Coke decided to jump into the new market with its own brand of clear cola. Which tasted a lot better than new Coke, I imagine. Tab clear. Ugh. Before interested consumers could even decide which one they preferred, they found themselves in the middle of a full-blown clear cola battle royale. Shoppers were quickly inundated with more clear soda options than they knew what to do with. And the intense competition didn't turn out to be good for anyone involved. Oh, man, so they both lost. Ouch. Great planning, guys. On December 14th, 1992, Coca-Cola decided it was time to roll up their corn syrup stained sleeves and release their very own clear soda in an effort to compete with Pepsi's Crystal Pepsi, released only one week earlier. Sold under the moniker Tab Clear, Coke claimed they wanted to avoid creating too direct a comparison with its own Coke-specific label. How the heck would they do that? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, like, what do they, they modify the logo a little bit? What, what exactly do they do? I don't know. They then added insult to injury by stating that clear Coke is an oxymoron and that to create a clear Coke modeled directly off of Pepsi's would simply be aiming too low. Still, many critics said that Coca-Cola's decision to align their clear marketing push with Tab, a sub-brand marketed almost exclusively to older women, would place limits on consumer interest and essentially hand the market over to Pepsi. What? what? <laughs> that, that, that's crazy. So they think, so, so what? So I think only old ladies are going to buy Tab Coca-Cola? It's not like they're going to be drinking it. They'll probably just have it for their grandkids or something, you know? In truth, though, there was a much more devious reasoning at work behind the strategy. Years later, Coke executives would admit that they chose Tab to be the competitor in an effort to deliberately confuse consumers into thinking Crystal Pepsi was a diet soda. Diet sodas being significantly less popular than regular brands. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on a second now. You, you, don't, know, you don't know if something tastes diet until you taste it. Believe me, I've had that happen before. There have been a couple times where there'll be a... Like, I'd be going through the fridge and I'd... <clears throat> I'd be going up to the garage, rooting around the fridge. You know, just like, you know grab what i think is like a root beer or something open it up take a sip and it's like diet Ugh, yuck my dad did that to me one time one time one time one time we're hanging out getting to go somewhere and he says hey before we go uh try this uh root beer i'm like all right i i, I open it up i take a sip it's diet <laughs> he's trying to mess with me i'm like uh nice try man you, you tried that diet thing didn't work on me he's like all right yeah well <laughs> you know but that's the thing like with diet soda for me I take one sip and that damn Nutrasweet aftertaste follows you around like a lost puppy. Well, it does for me anyway, for like the rest of the day. And like it never goes away no matter what you do. <laughs> anyway, continuing. 
Tab Clear was specifically designed to fail as a product and take Crystal Pepsi down with it. What? Wow. Wow, that's something. So what? Did, did Coke just run out of fucks to give? So like, all right, well, we're just going to do this now. And after just a few months, the plan worked like a charm. As it has become the trend for many companies year after year, Pepsi decided to promote their big new product at the Super Bowl. Ooh, pretty good marketing idea, pretty good strategy. With the help of a commercial that aligned almost perfectly with early 90s consumer ideals, Crystal Pepsi was strewn across television sets nationwide, accompanied by the sounds of Van Halen's hit single, Right Now. The commercial featured images of the clear soda alongside inspiring video clips. The clips also bizarrely included puzzling images of an animated baby who appeared to be crawling around in what might be a desert or the bottom of the ocean. That was followed promptly by a chaotically spinning watch, a reminder that right now computers still can't laugh. Wait, 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 hold on a second, hold on a second now. Oh, Stuart, I didn't realize your uh, mic was still open. Yeah, yeah, uh, a baby crawling around on, you know, on the beach or on the ocean? What the hell, man? How come I wasn't asked to be in the commercial? As a matter of fact, well, uh, matter of fact, well, Stewie, hold on to that thought because uh, this this actually might give you an opportunity for something. Ooh, okay. Shots of animals running in the wild and other such allegedly thought-provoking imagery. What was the point of all the weird imagery? Apparently, the message was intended to be that there's no time like the present to enjoy a pure, crisp, clear crystal Pepsi. So drink it right now. Apparently. The marketing execs thought a cartoon baby and musings about robots would convey that message. Oh, in the 90s, so mysterious. I could have done a better commercial. You probably could have, man. Maybe you and the family car have done a much better commercial than what they tried to uh, push out. No. You know, you might have a good point there. Hi there, everybody. I'm Stewie Griffin. When I'm not building blocks of murder or trying to kill Lois, I'm enjoying Crystal Pepsi. Ah, Crystal Pepsi. Fills my diaper up in five minutes and makes the fat man change me. Ah, oh, damn it, Lois. He got into the Kit Kats again. All right. That's the idea for the uh, commercial? Yeah. Uh, that could use a little tweaking, but, uh, you know, it was uh, not too bad. Well, thank you. All right, uh, what are you going to do now? Are you going to enjoy some uh, peeps or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, while you were playing that who's on first thing, the fat man went down to the grocery store and he got me some. Stewie, yeah, I got you one that looks like, uh, oh, gosh, uh, who's that one kid? Caillou. Yeah, Caillou. Oh, brilliant. All right. All right. All right, guys, well, I'm going to leave you guys alone for a while and I'll just uh, tune on with the... Uh, program. Yep. Over it out. Though many Crystal Pepsi supporters originally believed the innovative soda was akin to when the chocolate industry began to sell white chocolate, it quickly became apparent such evaluations were wishful thinking. <laughs> it's not always going to work every time, you know? <laughs> Due at least in part to an oversaturated market, the clear cola craze didn't last long. In the Oh, bummer. Sorry to hear that. U.S. or abroad. Within a year of Crystal Pepsi's initial release, the market became so inundated with copycat sodas and a host of other clear products that they were all essentially burned out. <laughs> Oops. 
Pepsi had no choice but to pull back the product and rethink the brand. They pulled out. After the unanticipated downfall of the Crystal Pepsi launch in 1993, PepsiCo pulled the product from shelves and tried to reinterpret its clear cola goals from a new perspective. Yep, we're going to try rebranding here, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to see how that works. The result was two eerily similar products, both sporting the same visual appeal as Crystal Pepsi, but each with a slight twist of their own. Okay. The first variation on the original, released soon after the removal of Crystal Pepsi, was called Crystal. Despite what? That's the name of the drink, Crystal. That's it. Just called Crystal. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 really gonna work. Appearing incredibly similar to the original product and having virtually the same name, Crystal was actually a citrus-flavored beverage rather than another clear cola. Ooh. The second and final variation came about a year later in 1995 under PepsiCo's subbrand Seven Up and was called Seven Up Ice Cola. As if taking a page from Coca-Cola's book, PepsiCo executives decided to use the smaller brand for this experiment. Not yet being privy to the reason Coke had selected Tab to compete with Crystal Pepsi, they likely just assumed that it was safer than risking their flagship product's name once again. And it turned out to be a good decision, as neither soda made any impact on the market. Wow. <laughs> I wonder, 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 if there, wonder if there was some executive at Coca-Cola who was probably watching all that and probably thinking to himself, so now you guys know what it's like to have a product suck. Multiple products suck, actually. <laughs> In 2013, a now defunct satire website known as the Wall Street Sentinel. <laughs> Never heard of them, but I've heard of The Onion made an announcement that put the presumably tiny community of clear soda lovers on high alert. The rumors being spread suggested Crystal Pepsi would make a valiant return to supermarket shelves in early 2014. It's fake news! It is fake news! And I'll tell you this right now. When you drink a Pepsi or a Coca-Cola, it lets you grab the ladies by the pussy. When you're a rock star, they let you do these things. Whether people didn't quite realize the site was satire or simply wanted to live in a state of suspended disbelief is hard to say. Welcome to Fantasyland, everybody. Whatever the case, the examiner quickly got to the bottom of the rumors and by February 2014 determined that there was just no truth to them. <laughs> it took him that long to realize the site was crap. So, to the disappointment of those who got excited at the prospect, Crystal Pepsi was not actually coming back. Yet... Ooh. Just as the memory of Crystal Pepsi once again began to fade from public consciousness, a trained competitive eater named Kevin Strahl literally heaved the beverage back into relevancy. Thanks to a 2013 viral YouTube video in which Strahl quickly quaffed, and then 45 seconds later vomited every drop of a two-decade-old bottle of the stuff, a new passion for the soda was ignited. Oh, man. Hey, look, not for nothing, but that stuff has a shelf life. You know, you, you, get, you, you, got, you got to really be careful about that. There was a story about a guy who, after the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, he, he drank a beer that he kept in his fridge that he would only drink if and when the, Yank, the uh, Cubs won the World Series. I can't imagine what that thing must have tasted like. I'm not sure if it was still good because I'm honestly, I'm not sure because as I say, everything's got a shelf life. So who knows how long it was good for? Who knows if it gave him that little buzz he was looking for? I don't know. But either way, there's a little bit more left on this. Here we go. In the video, Strahl expresses misgivings about drinking the soda, which he says he paid too much money for. <laughs> what the heck is he doing? Is he doing like a jackass stunt? I'm Kevin Straw and I'm going to drink 
this two-decade-old Pepsi. Don't try this at home. Deciding to drink it anyway, he says he hopes it will be like getting in a time machine with Doc Brown. Back to 1993, so he can feel like a kid again. <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. Things take a turn for the worse after his first few sips, though. He feels an inexplicable compulsion to chug the rest. What? At which point his body decided it did not want to be part of this plan. <laughs> Let's just say, if you're planning to seek out the video, we advise you to beware the three minute and 50 second mark and beyond. You're welcome. Yeah, it doesn't sound too appealing. Despite the fact that the drink made him purge his Pepsi, the video's viral success, for some weird reason, led to the beginning of an internet petition to bring back Crystal Pepsi. I guess people were probably going like, hey man, check this out, this dude just puked up this beverage. Anyone else would be like, ew. But since it's Crystal Pepsi, they're like... Maybe. Nearly two decades after the failed experiment that was Crystal Pepsi, Straw's viral video led to a resurgence in popular demand for the beverage that caught the attention of the PepsiCo marketing team. Ooh. This set the stage for the development of a consumer study to determine whether bringing back the soda full-time would be worthwhile. And so, the Crystal Pepsi sweepstakes was born. Ah. In a 24-hour submission crunch, people were invited to use 1,000 of the Pepsi pass points that they had apparently already earned to enter the sweepstakes through either the Pepsi mobile app or the company's website. Ooh, the nice. prize? A six-pack of highly sought-after Crystal Pepsi. Hooray! That's the prize! A six-pack of an ancient beverage that they're just trying to get back into public consciousness. That's that's the sweepstakes, everybody. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, baby. What do I sign up for that prize? I want some of that. The six cans of a Crystal Pepsi? Mm-mm-mm. Sounds really good. Actually, nah, I don't want it. And for those who hadn't gathered enough Pepsi stubs to reach the 1,000-point threshold, Pepsi generously provided promo codes for the value on their social media accounts. Nah. Bunch of participation trophy giving people it's like all right well you know you don't have hey you only got 664 points it will give you a little more here you go there you go enjoy it the company then selected 13,000 lucky winners to receive the soda packs damn 13,000 people so that means so, so 13,000 uh six packs to, to 70 so that means 78,000 cans of crystal pepsi were reproduced just for this purpose on August 8th, 2016, Crystal Pepsi made a surprising, if brief, return to supermarket shelves, thanks to an apparent resurrection of consumer demand. Due in part to a Change.org petition, Pepsi decided it was time to give marketing efforts for the defunct soda another go. Yeah, well, that's kind of interesting, because generally when you look on Change.org, you see all these petitions about social injustice, or some sort of thing like, man falsely imprisoned for 45 years. Sign this petition and it will be sent to the governor so he can be pardoned and he can have a good rest of his life that he's been deprived of. Because this man definitely needs your help today. That sort of thing. Using a scarcity tactic to entice consumers to buy, Pepsi announced the limited release of Crystal Pepsi in both the U.S. and Canada. Oh, they did that. Oh, they did a whole limited time only deal. Ah, pretty creative. I gotta give them that. It's in Canada, with a 20-ounce can priced at $1.79 in U.S. dollars. Wait, wait, wait. A 20-ounce can? $1.79? That's, that's a little much. While no one knows exactly why PepsiCo brought back the product just then, 
Some believe the sudden resurfacing of the drink could have had something to do with the fact that soda sales in the U.S. had been plummeting. Ooh. A little bit left. In an interview with Fast Company, the person credited with the creation of Crystal Pepsi, David Novak, provided his own insights on the subtle rise and sudden fall of the product. Asked about what he took away from that debacle, Novak called the whole thing a tremendous learning experience. He went on to explain that he still thought it was the best idea he ever had, though he admitted the execution left a lot to be desired. Ah, oh, dang. One of those things where, like, it looks good on paper, but the execution, eh, something happened. In Novak's own words, people were saying we should stop and address some issues along the way. And they were right. It would have been nice if we made sure the product tasted good. <laughs> hey, don't feel too bad. At least it's not new Coke. Sobriety with which Novak... The sobriety with which Novak is able to reflect on the failure of a product so close to his heart shows the dedication with which PepsiCo's attempts to market the beverage were made. However, whether he was right that an improved flavor or reconfigured marketing strategy would have saved the beverage will likely forever remain a mystery. Ah, dang. All right. Well, you know, who knows? But anyway, uh, ladies... Oh, wait, hang on. I want to get into this real quick. Oh, wait, hang on. Let's see. I got this here. 49 minutes past the top of the hour on the Lawrence Ross Show. Coming up on the second hour of the program, I got a clip uh, concerning... Uh, well, today is National Autism Awareness Day, so I'll be talking a little bit about that on the other side because I have a news clip uh, that is a very near and dear to me. Uh, I'm going to be covering uh, just uh, a little bit of the George Floyd thing. I only pulled uh, the little setup from uh, the first day of the trial. I don't have any of like, any of the... Uh, witness testimony, anything like that. I don't want to be bringing the show into that, but uh, and some other stuff too, but just real quick, I want to get into this. Here we go. Get on the microphone in a serious manner. The Howard Stern Show. Hey now. The Phil Hendry Show. I love Hendry. And all the other radio shows in between. Have a bad night. <laughs> it's time for Radio History <laughs> with Lawrence Ross. Oh, the gosh, man. Uh, I love that, man. I love that. Love that little Bob Laster clip of the guy going, Have a bad night, hippie! <laughs> which yesterday was the anniversary of that phone call, which I would play, but it's seven minutes long, and I have to really pare it down, but... Well, what the hell am I just saying? I just played a ten-minute clip of uh, Crystal Pepsi, but still. Uh, maybe I'll probably get to it one of these days. But uh, anyway, radio history going back to... April 3rd, 1998, on the Phil Hendry Show, Bobby Dooley joined the program to talk about the neighborhood cats having sex in the backyard, and uh, she's been known to go out and shoot the cats because it just drives her crazy, and it gives a very bad example for her children. Here's an excerpt from Phil Hendry, from Phil's 1998 album, A Chilling Day for Talk Radio, cut number seven. At one point, I saw the male cat put his cigarette out on her ass. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. I heard the cat say, take it all, bitch. Meow. <laughs> take it all, bitch. Meow. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's funny. That is great. And the uh, interesting little thing is that the... Uh, the uh, the disc itself, the physical disc, on the disc is a little cartoon drawing. 
And that cartoon drawing was done by Matt Groening, the guy who made The Simpsons, Futurama. Uh, I think his other show was what, Enchanted, I think. Admittedly, I have not gotten into that show. Like, I tried getting into it once, but I just, I don't know, just, I don't know, maybe, maybe I should try getting back into it. Uh, but uh, Phil would eventually go on to do voices on Futurama. He does all the other Waterfall family members. Uh, here's a, and just one more excerpt here. This is from same night, April 3rd, but different year, 2000. The Phil Hendry Show. Bob Green, who's normally the owner and operator of Fraser Foods in this bit, he was the author of a book. He was known as Dr. Robert Green. His book was called Don't Go There. And it's about how men don't like oral sex. This is from Phil's Best of 2000 album, uh, track 15, little excerpt of Men Hate Oral Sex. Here we go. Are you sure you're not talking about the oral sex that you've gotten? What's that crack supposed to mean? I mean, what about you? Have you ever enjoyed it? I can't get a good hummer to save my life. <laughs> And that bit, it went on for like, like a good 45, like, like a good, like a bit of a long time. But Phil has said it's one of his favorites and gosh, I mean, like, you know, like, I'm a, like, uh, like if I had to pick out one, like if I had to pick out like one Phil Hendry character, that's like my all time favorite. I don't know. I, I don't know who I'd go with. I don't know. There's so many good ones. Because each character is unique in their own different way, so it's kind of hard to pick out which one is like a top favorite. I mean, Bud Dickman was my favorite back in the day. He still is. But I couldn't necessarily say, okay, he's, you know, he's the number one character followed by this character, this character, this character. But in any way, at any rate, it's time for the interlude, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll be back right after this. This is the Lawrence Ross Show. Thank you for listening. And I'll be back after this. This show is about making the people happy while you enjoy whatever has been selected for the great. Lawrence is stepping away from the microphone to fill up on his leftover Taco Bell. Nobody going to the bathroom for about 35, 45 minutes. The Lawrence Ross Show will return after this. Hello. Okay. Yeah, he backed over my goddamn legs. Now I'm standing here with shattered fucking legs. That's all I need. I just came to in the fucking hospital here. All I remember seeing is that, that little friggin' cute sign you have there about the bad driving. Okay. Hello. Can I get your uh, name and number? Ah, Christ. It's, it's always this way with you people. Where the hell do you get these drivers from? What do you, pull them off the street? What is this? Sir? Pull them out of the subways? For Christ's sake, this guy backed up over my legs three or four times there. They look like fucking chop meat now. Sir, I want to help you. Ah, oh, Christ. Oh. I help you. I need to get some information from you. Uh, go ahead. Shoot. Shoot me some info. Go ahead. I need your name and number. I got to give you my name and number when I got some guy that, you know, smashed me into little pieces as a human being. Okay. Well, can you at least give me... If you saw my legs right now, buddy, you'd, you'd fucking, you'd probably vomit. The damn things are sick looking. They, 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 it's horrible. The fucking dog will be nipping at me in a little while with these fucking legs the way they are. Okay. For Christ's sakes. Do you have the vehicle number at all? Ah, Christ, the vehicle number. I only was with like a big delivery truck or some swill or some shit was dripping out of the back of that fucking thing. I don't know. Did you have the company name of the vehicle? All right, how the hell am I going to see the company name when I'm busy rolling around underneath the fucking truck? Sir, I'm just trying to help. Jesus Christ, you're asking me for company names and I'm laying under the fucking truck? I can give you serial numbers. That's about the best I can do for you. For Christ's sakes, the goddamn gearbox crushing me in the ground. You're asking me for the fucking... Uh
No, I just need to get the vehicle. Oh, jeez. Uh, the more I think about it, the more angry I get now. I'm laying up in a fucking hospital bed. I won't be able to get myself near a fucking bottle of hooch. And you're fucking telling me that uh, it's a fucking joke? It's funny? No, I'm not laughing at all, sir. I want to get some information from you. Oh, Christ. So I can help you. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, there's, there's this bad fucking awful stink coming off my legs here. It must have, it must have been something in a fucking marrow or something for all I know. Okay, and what, what day did this happen? Oh, man, it, it happened today. I just came to in the fucking hospital now. I'm just, oh, Jesus. You know, my friend tells me you can call the numbers on these fucking delivery boys there. Okay, um, can I, what time did this happen? Time. How the fuck am I going to remember? You say time now. What are you, a wise guy with the time? Okay. I'm supposed to remember time when I'm fucking out like a light. Time. Sir, I'm going to disconnect. Well, Ryan, terminate the call, please. Hello. Ah, for Christ's sake. Well, I never been to Spain But I kinda like the music See, the ladies are insane there And they sure know how to use it They don't abuse it Never gonna lose it Never been to England, but I kinda like the Beatles. Well, I get it all lost in yes. Only made it out to needles. So good. 
to the show. Who's in charge over there? Want to get involved in the program? Ain't nobody got time for this. Call or text the comment line 813-602-2715. Get off the phone with me, you This is the Lawrence Ross Show. Now back to our regular programming. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man behind the blue eyes. No one knows what it's like to be hated, to be faded, to telling only lies. The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going? Hope you guys enjoyed that little interlude. That was the Jerky Boys with 1-800-How's-My-Driving, followed by Three Dog Night with Never Been to Spain. Now, this is The Who with Behind Blue Eyes, which was covered by Limp Bizkit in 2003, which it was okay. It was, you know, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't crappy. It was, it was, it was, it's, it's something that I'll, I'll, I'll occasionally listen to, you know? It was, it was all right. Can't be the original, though, man. Keith Moon on the drums. Oh, John Entwistle on that bass. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I gotta rewind that bass line a little bit. Stand by, everybody. Stand by. Stump that bass. No one knows what it's like. Yeah. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, just to let everybody know that today is known as National Autism Awareness Day. And I've, I've, I've talked about this briefly, uh, that uh, I have somebody in my family who has autism. Uh, my niece, Isla, who is going to be no, nine this year. Oh my God, not, wow. <sighs> ah, man, they grow up so fast. So in, this is actually on Veterans Day of 2015, my sister appeared on the, uh, the local Alabama news to discuss the importance of medical marijuana. So here we go. Jessica, tell us a little bit about you and your daughter. Sure. So um, my daughter, Isla, she is three and a half years old, um, at seven months old, out of nowhere. Um, we found ourselves in the ER, and she was diagnosed with something called infantile spasms, which is, a, if you look in any medical book, it's catastrophic, devastating. It's awful. Um, she had spasms, which are clusters of seizures up to you know hundreds a day um, for um, over a year. We tried super amounts mm -hmm. of pharmaceuticals. Um, she was on steroids, um, so she couldn't leave the house for a while because her immune system was lower. Um, just some really horrible stuff. Is this your first, only child? This is my first child. My first child. Yeah, my second child, um, Henry, he's, he's one and a half, and he doesn't have um, epilepsy. And Isla's epilepsy is cryptogenic, meaning they don't know why she has seizures, which is... As a new mother going through that, too, I, I mean, I can't even imagine. Boy, yeah, but just seeing your baby go through that—I mean, I just yeah. Can't. As a new mom, when I first saw her, you know, start just her arms would go up. I thought that she was just tired. By the second or third time, I knew something wasn't right, mm -hmm. and so we went right to the ER, and she was diagnosed within 24 hours with infantile spasms. Now, um, is she on any experimental drugs or the oil? Yeah. So. Um, 
by the time she was three, um, she was having up to eight um, grand mal seizures every 24 hours. Mm. Um, she was admitted into a study and she was able to get CBD oil, um, just like Robert. And so I met Jody, who's actually mm-hmm. that first appointment. And um, it didn't get better right away. Um, she actually got a little worse the first week, and so we thought, mm, this isn't going to work. But after two months of adjusting her meds, um, the CBD oil adding on, um, she has been seizure-free for 115 days. Awesome. Yeah, which is um, amazing. It's awesome. never That's never happened to her before. Um, wow. Her EEG, which um, measures the brain waves, mm-hmm. um, is normal. Um, But besides that, her cognitive ability has improved. Um, She's in therapy because she's on the autism spectrum, Mm -hmm. and they keep data on everything. Right. And um, within just a few months, I mean, her, she's been so much more aware. I mean, we have, like, You can see, like, a different child. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see it in her eyes, and I can see there's black and white data that says she has improved. Mm-hmm. So um, this oil is its more than medicine. I mean, it's given her her smile, her laugh back. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole know, family. The whole family, yeah. We yeah. don't have to um, worry, you know, when she falls asleep, that's when she would have her seizures. Oh, you know, someone, you have to watch Go Isla. You got to watch her. got to watch her. Um, a, little, a lot of peace in the family now. It's a lot more peace. <laughs> but, you know, I, you are a military wife. Yeah, and that's the... How does this affect you? Yeah, absolutely. So we are stationed here in Alabama, and that's why we were able to be part of this study. Okay. Um, but if my husband gets orders, which he will, um, we will be required to move. And that could be to a state that doesn't have um, medical marijuana. Um, we've already made the decision that if that happens, then I would either stay mm-hmm. with the kids here in Alabama if you know we can still get the oil, or we'll have to move to a state that we can get it. Cause we can't go back to the pharmaceuticals that, you know, weren't working for her. There you go. There you go. And uh, and the medical marijuana, I'm very happy to report, has uh, really uh, uh, really helped out tremendously. You know, it's it's really it's 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 done. It's it's it, there's 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 a lot of there's a, there's a lot of benefits to it. It's what I can basically gather from it. And I will say that, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the not you know. And the nice thing about life is that it changes your perspective on certain things. And, uh, you know, watching the movie Rain Man years ago, then, you know, then watching it today, having a bit more of an understanding in regards to, you know, autism and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more of a, you know, I, I, I think, I think it's, I don't know. Um, I think a little bit more of a, I don't know. I think I have like a little bit more of a connection in the movie now, I guess you could say, because I have somebody in the family who has this. Uh, but, uh, you know, we persevere. That's what we got to do right here. We got to persevere. All right. What else do we got? Let's see. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So what do I got here? Okay. All right. Okay. Now, for the big uh, music fans out there, today would have been Marvin Gaye's birthday, but he is uh, sadly no longer with us. And uh, the story is, uh, well, here it is as described from Weird History. Here we go. To understand Marvin Gaye's death, we have to go all the way back to the formative years of his relationship with his father, Marvin Gaye Sr., 
Marvin Sr. was a minister and a healer with a Pentecostal church, which was known as the House of God. Pentecostal? What if it was like Sam Kennison preaching? Because that's what Sam Kennison used to do before he was his comedian. He was a Pentecostal preacher, and then he decided to become a comedian. And he transferred the the Pentecostal preacher persona pretty much into his uh, comedy act, which is why he uh, screamed so damn much. Oh! Oh! I can't really do a very good Sam Kinison impression. That's like, you know, I, I I can do like the scream a little bit, but I don't know. That, that's when I really got to work on. But Craig Gass does a dynamite Sam Kinison impression. Like it, it is, it's, it's the point where you would, th- you, you, you'd swear Sam was still with us, but he's not. Which I'm going to have a thing about uh, Kinison uh, next week because it, it'll be, because it'll be near April 10th. And so anyway, uh, just get back to the damn show. All right, Stewie, you enjoying those uh, peeps? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, hey, are you and Brian going to play uh, Chubby Bunny a little later on? Uh, no, actually, no. He's drinking a martini right now. Oh, well, good for him. House of God advocates a strict code of conduct among its followers. Using those followers? Did you say followers? It says he said followers and not followers. Using the God advocates a strict code of conduct among its followers. Followers, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's the little things you don't notice sometimes. I, remember I was watching this documentary. It was on uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, and Bill Curtis was narrating it. And I think he meant to say body count, but he's, uh, 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 he, he meant to say something else, but he accidentally said the word cunt. And they didn't edit it. They just, they just, they, they just slipped through. Oops, you missed something there, guys. Using those religious bylaws, Marvin Senior ruled his household with a heavy hand. Iron fist, basically. Senior was also a conflicted and complicated man. He couldn't hold down a job for very long. Oh, not good. He was a raging alcoholic, and he was a crossdresser. What? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> okay, some of the, okay. Couldn't hold down a job. Problem. Alcoholic. Problem. Crossdresser. I don't know why they had to say it like that, but okay. Par for the course. He also abused his four children, often in the name of religion, and he dealt his harshest punishments on Marvin Jr. Oh boy, the indoctrination starts early, I guess. According to Marvin's sister, Jean, from the age of seven until well into his teenage years, Gay's life consisted of brutal whippings. Oh boy. When was one of those instances where his dad said, where his dad said to him, get outside and cut me a switch. And if he came back with a mini switch, he'd be like, oh, no, no, no. Now you're going to get the whole tree, basically. That's <laughs> it's, it's, it's what they used to make kids do back in the day. If you were out of line, you had to be disciplined for whatever reason. The older would say, go outside and cut me a switch. <laughs> and, then they'd, and then they'd go. And then, and then if the switch wasn't long enough. Then, then they'd go and they'd pretty much get the whole tree and beat you with the tree, basically. Or they find a longer, you know, or it's like, oh, okay, oh, you're back with your weapon of choice. Uh, hey, look, this wasn't big enough, so uh, now it's going to be even worse for you. <laughs> I never got the switch, never got a spanking, never got soap in the mouth, never got anything like that. Was was never was never uh, was never punished for, you know. It was never punished up until eh, later on down the line. You know, you, yeah, you know how it goes. You know, kids acting up a little bit, you know. Eh. Hey, it happens. It happens. Marvin Jr. said that living with his father was like living with a king. An all-cruel, changeable, cruel, and all-powerful king. 
If it wasn't for his mother, Marvin would have ended his own life. Similarly, Gay's mother, Alberta, admitted that her husband despised her son. My husband never wanted Marvin, and he never liked him. He used to say he didn't think he was really his child, but for some reason he didn't love Marvin. And what's worse, he didn't want me to love Marvin either. Wow, man, that's wow, that's that, that's manipulation just across the board, basically. And if and look, that's on him. I mean, look, if 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 he didn't want Marvin Gaye Jr., he should have put a rubber on, but nope. But it's kinda wild because the creation of Marvin Gaye eventually led to the song Let's Get It On, which is a very beautiful song about consent about consensual intercourse. Oddly enough, Gay developed his love for singing and performing from his father. Yeah, so it wasn't all bad, but still, you gotta take the bad with the good. Around the age of five, Marvin Sr. coached him in piano lessons, which Gay quickly learned by ear. It must have been pretty brutal if he messed up, you know? Gay sang in his father's church choir, and it was one of the few stable times in the father and son's relationship. Yeah, few. <laughs> one of the few stable times, Yes. When he wasn't, you know, when he wasn't doling out punishment or uh, screaming about how Marvin is an unwanted child, there were some happy times, but not that many. Flash forward to 1984. Gay was 44 years old and he was experiencing a career comeback after five years of shaky output. His first post-Motown album, Midnight Love, was at the top of the charts, and he was enjoying the biggest hit of his career with Sexual Healing. Which sexual Healing, let's make love tonight. Yeah, good stuff. Hang on, back up a little bit. Sexual Healing, which spent 10 weeks at number one on the Hot Black Singles chart. Hot damn, 10 weeks, that's good. Sexual Healing eventually became the biggest R&B hit of the 1980s. Ooh, that's a good change, man. Good royalty money. Gay wrapped up his four-month tour, a tour that was a disaster from its opening on April 18th in San Diego, California. When it began, Gay was relatively healthy and happy and relatively drug-free. Hey, he had it all, man, right? Yeah, of course. But then... But by a few weeks into the tour, he was going in heavy on cocaine. Uh-oh. <laughs> As the tour moved from the west coast of America to the east coast and back, Gay's behavior started to get increasingly erratic. Uh-oh. Due to his non-stop drug use, Gay was becoming increasingly paranoid throughout the tour. He hired a small army of personal bodyguards, and he... <laughs> a small army of personal bodyguards? Uh, A.K.A. Entourage. <laughs> He had a little entourage. Bodyguards, and he'd wear a bulletproof vest up until the point when he walked on stage. Wait, 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 hang on a second now. If, if he's so paranoid, wouldn't it occur to him to keep the bulletproof vest on while he's performing? Or, I don't know, well, may, may, maybe he decided to take it off because I'm not sure if he danced around or if he, like, did any, you know, any, any sort of, like, moving or anything. But I, 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 ma I imagine he took it off probably because you think, oh, it's too damn hot can't move my hips under this damn Kevlar under this Kevlar man anyway somewhere in the middle of the tour gay became positive that a hitman had been hired to take him out okay yeah okay now he must be paranoid because he's think he's thinking a hitman's going to take him out i mean like I, I i couldn't you know i couldn't you know i couldn't imagine that i couldn't you know i couldn't imagine like a hitman being asked to take out M marvin gay in like a mafioso kind of a setup like i couldn't imagine some guy saying like hey look 
You know that soul singer who's going across the country wearing a bulletproof vest and doing cocaine and singing about let's get it on and all that other stuff? Yeah, look, I need you to take care of this guy, all right? Get him when he's coming out of the Boston Garden. His limo's going to be pulling up. Make it look like an accident. Later in the tour, he worried that he was being secretly poisoned. During a stop in Boston while at a press conference, reporters sat stunned as Gay revealed that he had hired famed attorney F. Lee Bailey to determine how, why, and by whom he had been poisoned during the tour. I can imagine what that press conference must have sounded like. Uh, Mr. Gay, uh, this is uh, Clarence... Uh... No, hang on. Shoot, hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on. Oh, wait, okay, wait. Uh, take two. I can imagine what that presser must have sounded like. Uh, Mr. Marvin Gay, Mr. Marvin Gay, this is Bobby Jones from the Boston Globe. How do you feel your record sales are going to be increasing this year? Do you think that you will go farther than Prince? Do you think that you will go farther than Michael Jackson? All right. <laughs> anyway. He added that a mystical potion concocted by activist and comedian Dick Gregory had saved his life. Wait, 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 wait a second now. A mystical potion? What was it? What was it? Love potion number nine? Was it kissing everything in sight? Love potion number nine. After the tour, Gay retreated to the large house he bought his parents at 2101 South Gramercy Place in Los Angeles to recuperate. For the next nine months after the tour, the house was home to non-stop madness. Marvin Sr., Alberta, and Marvin Jr. slept in three adjoining second-story bedrooms. The couple hadn't slept in the same room together for over ten years. Wow! 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 That's going to tell you something. That's got to tell you something. Either, either, either they planned that arrangement before, or the relationship just got too toxic that she didn't want to sleep next to him. Marvin's brother, Frankie, and his wife, Irene, lived in a detached guest house. Most of the time, Marvin Sr. was holed up in his room, swigging vodka, while his son shut himself away in his bedroom. Marvin's mother saw his condition and his addiction. His mother said, Marvin would say, Mother, this is the last time, I promise. But when he was out, he would make a phone call, and someone would show up to deliver another batch. Uh, he'd fall off the wagon again. When Gay was in the mood, he'd call for women. Sometimes groupies would visit him in his room, and sometimes even his ex-wives, Anna and Janice, would come by. With his paranoia at an all-time... <laughs> I like the way the guy describes that. Sometimes some ladies would come by. Sometimes his ex-wives, Hannah and Janice, would stop by. Sometimes. <laughs> I just find that so strange that he would say it like that sometimes. I'm high. Gay had an elaborate, expensive security and surveillance system installed in his parents' home. Hang on, I want to rewind that because he's... Sometimes groupies would visit him in his room. Let's get it on. Ah, yeah! Nah, not as good as the original. And sometimes even his ex-wives, Anna and Janice, would come by. I wonder what that affair must have been like. I wonder what that... Wonder, 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 you know... I wonder, like, would they look at him and go, Marvin, you need help. 
With his paranoia at an all-time high, Gay had an elaborate, expensive security and surveillance system installed in his parents' home. I think we call it the Ring Doorbell today. You can just download it and get the doorbell. It's like 100 bucks. Hook it up in seconds. Boom, you're ready to go. What, what the heck just happened here? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What the heck happened here? Stand by. There we go. Just, I don't know, just get a little bit of a hiccup. Here we go. While he may have been living a fast and paranoid life, what caused the death of Marvin Gaye was an insurance document. Oh, it's the little things, man. On Saturday, March 31st, 1984, Gaye's parents engaged in several petty arguments. The main cause of tension was a misplaced insurance policy document. For the remainder of the day and well into the evening, Gay's father would storm around the Gramercy house and yell at his mother about the missing document he insisted she lost. Oh, boy. (laughs) I think they probably should have gone to couples therapy before this ever happened, but nope, didn't happen. Eventually, Gay had had enough and told his father to leave his mother alone. Marvin Sr. backed off, but continued to yell nonsensically throughout the house until he went to sleep. Marvin Sr. went to bed angry, and he woke up angry the next morning on Sunday, April 1st. Bad combination. The thing I've often heard is, don't go to bed angry. That's what I've often heard. I haven't been able to put that theory into practice just yet. Sometime around 12.30 p.m., he yelled up the stairs at his wife, who was in Gay's bedroom. Gay exited his room, leaned over the railing that overlooked the first floor of their home, and yelled back at his father that if he wanted to speak to his wife about the missing paperwork, then he should come up the stairs and ask her properly to her face. There you go, and that's kind of giving it back to him because he was yelling at her originally, so he decides, all right, well, I'm go- well, to can play at that game. And he shots his dad, hey, talk to your woman like a proper man. Go up and ask her like a gentleman, that sort of thing. According to Alberta, Marvin Sr. immediately charged upstairs into Gay's bedroom where she was sitting on the bed by her son. As Marvin Sr. barreled into Gay's room, he once more began yelling at Alberta over the lost insurance document. Oh man, this guy just will not let up about that missing insurance document. I mean, what, did he not have it in a folder evidently, so now he's going to blame it on her? Jeez. It's not my fault this guy can't hold a job as an alcoholic and as a cross-dresser. Gay Jr. jumped out of his bed and demanded that his father leave. But Marvin Sr. held his ground. That's when Gay reportedly pushed his 70-year-old father out of the room and into the hallway, knocking him down in the process. Oh, okay. I think today that's elder abuse? Gay then repeatedly kicked and punched his father while he was on the floor. Sheesh, man. Okay, today that's elder abuse, but... Back in the day, I mean, you know, it was, you know, it was, you know, a different time, but still, I mean, you know, continuing. Eventually, Alberta separated Gay from his father. Marvin Sr. then picked himself up and calmly walked to his bedroom at the opposite side of the second floor hallway. Minutes later. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. That, that, that was something of the computer. My bad. Later, Marvin Sr. re-entered Wait, his son's be- Mar- Min- Minutes later, Marvin Sr. re-entered his son's bedroom. He was holding a 38 caliber handgun. Gay had given that gun to his father several months earlier for self-protection. Without saying a word, 
he pulled the trigger. Marvin Sr. shot his son directly in the heart. Good God. I mean, I know he was shot in the chest, but I didn't know that it was directly right in the heart. There was actually a story, gosh, about 15 years ago about this woman who called into the Tom Likas show. And for some reason, she felt the need to confess to killing her boyfriend on the air. And, well, she got busted. Continuing. Marvin's mother, who was standing about eight feet away from Marvin, said, My husband didn't say anything. He just pointed the gun at Marvin and shot. The shot entered Gay's chest, then ricocheted through his right lung, heart, diaphragm, liver, stomach, and left kidney before stopping against his left flank. As Gay's body lay on the floor... Not sure where the left flank is. ...slumped against his bed, against his left kidney before stopping against his left flank. As Gay's body lay on the floor, slumped against his bed, Marvin Sr. calmly walked toward his son and fired again, this time penetrating Gay's left shoulder just below the clavicle. Once Marvin's brother, Frankie, was made aware of the shots, he ran inside the Gramercy house. His wife, Irene, called 911. According to Frankie in his 2003 book, Marvin Gay, My Brother, Gay, only able to whisper as blood was pouring out of both gunshot wounds, told him, I got what I wanted. I couldn't do it myself, so I had him do it. It's good. I ran my race. There's no more left in me. When paramedics showed... Wow, man, that's... Man, that is... That's morbid. That's morbid on so many levels. You know, he just, like, he wanted to die. So, basically, this was sort of like a mercy killing, somewhat. But let's continue on. But up at the scene, they demanded to see the gun before they would enter the house. After scrambling around Marvin Sr.'s bedroom, Irene found it under a pillow, carried it downstairs, and tossed it on the front lawn. By this time, nearly 20 minutes had passed since Gay was shot. As he was rushed to California Hospital Medical Center three miles away, medics tried to resuscitate Gay, but it was too late. Marvin Gay was declared dead on arrival at 1.01 p.m., one day before his 45th birthday. Ugh. This, in my opinion, is, uh, this... Oh, shoot, hang on, check something here. 26 minutes past the top of the hour on the Lawrence Ross show. Uh, let's see. Okay, continuing. There's a little bit left on this. Wait, what the heck? <laughs> George Floyd murder. Oh, uh, uh, uh. Back to this. Here we go. Marvin Sr. was immediately arrested and held at the Los Angeles County Jail on $100,000 bail. Marvin Sr. gave the Los Angeles Herald Examiner an account that varied slightly from the one his wife relayed. I pulled the trigger. The first one didn't seem to bother him. He put his hand up to his face like he'd been hit with a BB. And then I fired again. I was backing towards my room. I was going to go in there and lock the door. This time I heard him say, oh, and I saw him going down. I do know that I did fire the gun. I was just trying to keep him back off me. I want the world to know it wasn't presumptuous on my part. Marvin Sr. I don't know about that, man. I think it was. I think he's just backpedaling pretty much. All right, stand by. Marvin Sr. appeared before Judge Gordon Ringer on November 2nd, 1984 for sentencing. Hey, at least he got a fair and speedy trial. Ringer was very stoic about the proceedings and said the following about the case. This is one of those terribly tragic cases in which a young life was snuffed out. But under the circumstances, it seems to be agreed by everybody, including the very able and experienced investigating officers in this case. 
that the young man who died tragically provoked this incident, and it was all his fault. I vehemently disagree. You know, it was, it was, it was a, well, hang on, I'll, I'll, I'll finish this up and then I'll give him my commentary. When asked if he loved his son, Marvin Sr. reportedly stated softly, let's say I didn't dislike him. Wait, 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 I didn't dislike him? That's that supposed to mean I didn't dislike him. <laughs> of course, he's saying that now. Of course, he's the guy who pulled the trigger. Judge Ringer ordered a six-year suspended sentence and five years of probation. All right, so there we go with that. So that concludes that. But I do not think that it was Marvin Gaye's uh, fault that he got shot by his own dad. I, I don't think he provoked him. I, th- I, think, I think that his dad just snapped and just couldn't take it anymore. That's that's just that's just the way I'm viewing it. All right. Okay. Let's see. I only have like one real news story, and that's the George Floyd thing. I want to get into that a little bit. It's a bit of a long clip, though, so I don't know. I could start and stop and comment, but anyway. Eh, yeah, here we go. Ten months after George Floyd died in Minneapolis police custody, today prosecutors began making their case against former officer Derek Chauvin, saying repeatedly that... Now they say say Chauvin and then they say Chauvin, so I'm not sure what his real last name is. Is it Chauvin or Chauvin? But still, uh, this guy, I would not be surprised if he gets the death penalty for this. That's just my opinion. I don't think it's going to happen, but... We'll see what happens. Going to this. Ten months after George Floyd died in Minneapolis police custody, today prosecutors began making their case against former officer Derek Chauvin, saying repeatedly that the 19-year veteran of the police force refused to let up or get up as Floyd pleaded for his life, even as bystanders repeatedly begged him to remove his knee from Floyd's neck. Chauvin's attorney said it was drugs and a heart condition that were to blame for Floyd's death. For millions watching the case play out on live television, what began last summer with outrage and protests and a movement for social justice tonight became a window into the American system of criminal justice. With jurors and viewers watching the agonizing video of Floyd's last nine and a half minutes alive and hearing from the first witnesses in the case. So as we come on the air tonight, the city of Minneapolis is on high alert with businesses boarded up and the National Guard standing by. CBS's Jamie Ucas is following the trial for us and is going to lead off our coverage from just outside the courthouse. Good evening, Jamie. Good evening, Nora. Three witnesses for the prosecution testified today, including one who shot seven videos of the incident and another who says he heard... Wait, wait, seven videos? How did you shoot seven videos? What's this guy on Instagram or something? What's he doing like a Snapchat, TikTok kind of deal? Floyd plead for his life, but nothing may have been more impactful on the jury than those opening statements. Family and supporters kneeling in remembrance of George Floyd just moments before the long-awaited trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin began. You will learn that on May 25th of 2020, Mr. Derek Chauvin betrayed this badge. Chauvin, yes. In opening statements, prosecutor Or Chauvin, either way. Prosecutor Jerry Blackwell making the case that Chauvin's use of excessive and unreasonable force caused Floyd's death. He put his knees upon his neck and his back, grinding and crushing him. 
The prosecution then showed the jury nine minutes and 29 seconds of cell phone video that shocked the world. I thought it was 846, eight minutes and 46 seconds of uh, footage, which 846 is the exact same time. 846 a.m. was the same time the first plane hit the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. Just a little bit of a spooky coincidence. Spooky, spooky numbering system, if you ask me. World. Floyd insisting he can't breathe more than 20 times. I can breathe. Bystanders pleading with officers to do something. Bro, but you can get him off the ground. You've been a bum right now. Six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes in. The man ain't moved yet, bro. Jurors watch Floyd lose consciousness. Chauvin took notes as the video played. I would tell you that you can believe your eyes. Uh, that it's a homicide, it's murder. Don't leave me by myself, man, please. But defense attorney Eric Nelson argued Floyd's death was caused by underlying heart disease and drug use. Oh, jeez. Here we go again with the whole, it was drugs. Oh, gosh. And it was, and, and, and heart disease. No. If you're, if you're pushing down on someone for a very long time, they're going to black out. And if you do it too long, they're going to, you know, they're going to be dead. And it's not going to be from drugs or a heart condition. It's going to be from suffocation. It's exactly what it's going to be. You will learn that Derek Chauvin did exactly what he had been trained to do over the course of his 19-year career. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on a second now. So you're going to try to tell me this guy was told over his 19-year career that if there's a suspect acting belligerent, you get him on the ground and then pin them down with your knee on their neck? That's not the way you do it. <laughs> I've never even been a cop. And that's not the right way to do it. Come to think of it, I don't know what the right way is to do it. Now that I think about it, then again, I'm not a police officer. Officers initially responded to a call about a counterfeit $20 bill. The evidence will show that when confronted by... ...put drugs in his mouth in an effort to conceal them from the police. The defense says officers struggle. Wait, wait, wait. Is, now, that is not all that relevant, I don't think. I think it's all that important. So what? So the guy had drugs in his system that shouldn't mean that he had to have died. Continuing. To get Floyd to comply. Yeah, that's... Floyd's death sparked protests on a scale not seen since the civil rights movement. Chauvin is charged with second and third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. The second degree murder count carries up to 40 years in prison. 12 person jury, but okay. Nine women, five men. All right. A little. Okay. I, I, I think, I think it, uh, uh, I think you probably should have uh, split it evenly, but then again, I'm not uh, I'm not in charge of that. But still, I mean, I like that. Okay, you know, a few more women than there are men. All right, here we go. Of those, eight are white, four are black, and two identify as multiracial. Now, I really don't think that's necessary to be saying that X amount identify as this, X amount are this, and X amount are this. Are they trying to, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to paint a picture or are they just trying to split us up yet again? 
CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman says this was a crucial day for that say that 80% of the jurors' minds are made up at the end of the opening statements. The trials for... Huh, I've hmm, never heard of that. But I, w- I wonder if that's just for those kinds of cases, though. I mean, it probably can't be for, like, you know... Like it wasn't the case... after seeing what was happening to Floyd. Isn't that something? A 911 dispatcher had to call 911 on the police. (laughs) I just find that so bizarre. Something has not right. I don't know what, but something wasn't right. In a rare move, prosecutors will pit police officers against each other. They plan to call the chief of police and several Minneapolis Police Department employees who will testify to Chauvin using excessive force. The case is expected to last four weeks. Oh, man. All right. So we will have to see how this one plays out. And I I think I think he's going to be found guilty. But I don't think it's going to be on. You know, I'm not sure what his sentence is going to be. I think he's, as I say, I think he's going to be found guilty on what? I'm not sure. But just, I would not be surprised if this outcome is, you know, if, you know, I'm just, you know, just saying that, uh, you know, regardless of the outcome, you know, that's, you know, something's going to happen regardless. You know, if, if, if he if he goes to jail, or if, uh, you know, if he doesn't go to jail, well, we'll definitely be hearing about it for sure. For sure. All right. That was all the news stuff that I had for the week. And that was... Okay, so see, that was all the stuff that I had for the week. Uh, let's see. Gosh. You know, I have like 15 minutes left in the program. So let's see. Oh, all right. I think I'll play something from the archives real quick. So, this is kind of an interesting thing, and uh, uh, shout out to Zach Wakefield. He made a, a TikTok video a little while back. I wasn't able to get the audio for, uh, I don't know why, it, it, seems, it seems like with TikTok and the computer, I can't seem to get the uh, the clip to play when I want it to play, and I can't even find the play button, basically. But he did a video, he did a TikTok about dreams, what blind people see when they dream. And... Uh, but to give you a little bit of what my perspective is like, when I dream, I basically, I don't see, you know, I, I basically. Like colors, shapes, letters, numbers and stuff. But when I'm in a dream, I feel like I'm like floating and I kind of think that's something that it's somewhat happening. But then I realize that it's not. But this is an excerpt from, wow, this is going all the way back to like June of 2012. Now, the audio quality is going to be much different than what you're used to. Because this is when we used to podcast the show, and uh, it was it was it was it was, it was, a, it was a different sounding program back then. And it was shorter and all that other stuff, but nevertheless, this is uh, an excerpt where I talked about a very bizarre dream that I had. This is from 
23rd? No, no, no. Uh, let me think. I No, no. I think this is from the June 20... I think either June 22nd or 23rd. Yeah, I, I, I think this is from the 23rd. June 23rd, 2012. Uh, here I am talking about a... Here I am talking about a strange dream that I had. I had a dream that uh, Thomas was sleeping over at my house. Himself These were all edited in uh, post, by the way. I should let y'all know that uh, back then I didn't have a mixing board. Play something on the show. I'd have to record the program, go back in the, in the original recording, find where the part was I wanted to use, and then hit the button. I had a dream that uh, Thomas was sleeping over at my house. And I don't know how he did this, but the dude got himself cloned. I'm laying in bed, all of a sudden... The clone is dying. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, that's what I mean. The clone's dying. So I go over to the clone and I grab its arm. All of a sudden it turns cold. And then it falls to the floor. So then the real Thomas scampers outside, I think, for a shovel or like, I don't know, something... So I get freaked out. I take a nice shower. I get out of the shower. I get dressed. I walk in the room. The clone is laying on the bed, and he's, like, moaning, like, like as, as if he's saying, kill me, kill me, kill me. So then, so I don't know how this happens, but I get freaked out. I run to the bathroom where I was a few minutes ago. I lift up the lid of the toilet. I stick my face in the bowl. I wake up. Wow. You you went to bed high. You went, you went to bed high. You ate some bad McDonald's. No, there's something wrong there. I don't believe. I just I can't ate. imagine Thomas lying on the bed just moaning. Kill me, kill me, please, kill me. <laughs> oh gosh, there's a little bit left, but I just want to point out that. The guy laughing and saying all and doing the Thomas impression. There's a guy named uh, Matt Hughes to be on the uh, program with us, and uh, I uh, um I texted him a couple weeks ago. Seems like he's doing pretty well for himself, and uh, I should definitely call him. You know, I've, I've been saying that a lot, but I should definitely call him. <laughs> well, that was the clone. That wasn't the real Thomas. I think the real Thomas. Yeah, was but the clone Thomas would sound just like. I know. Wouldn't that be freaky though if you got yourself cloned? That would just I, be like, holy I shit. I find it funny. I, I just... I'm the real like, Thomas. No, I'm dying. the real Thomas. You're dying? All right. Shoot you in the face. Okay, that one's dead. Give me a new one. <laughs> you obviously didn't do a good job. Well, it's like the Family Guy episode where yeah. they made clones. And that's what your dream made me think of, especially the part where he just, like, falls down dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And that episode Matt mentions of Family Guy is uh, season eight, episode six. That was uh, Quagmire's baby. That was the subplot of the episode. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> 813-602-2715. A few minutes left on the uh, program tonight. Uh, let's see. What do I got? Okay, it's 43 minutes past the top of the hour currently. Let's see. No, no, no. I got to save that for the end. All right, let's see. What, what, what? Let's see. What? Let's see. What, 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 else, what else do I want to play from the archives here? Oh, oh, okay, okay, wait. Uh, okay, okay, I just thought of this one. Okay, so, so evidently, I guess... I guess I guess there's some sort of a resurgence in recording artist Justin Bieber. I really don't understand. I really I, I've never understood his music all that much. It's never as 
it's never been my thing. I understand he's got fans. I get it. But it's just that this guy has just been so problematic over the years. Like uh, some of his uh, uh, some of his more uh, noticeable offenses were uh, how one time he went to the Anne Frank Museum and wrote in the little uh, guest book that Anne Frank would have been a believer, which is a fan of his. And I think Anne Frank's sister has said, no, she would not be a quote unquote believer. And then he also uh, then he had the uh, the felony charges back in 2014. There was footage of him pissing into a mop bucket because I guess evidently he thinks the toilet is beneath him because he's Justin Bieber. So I did this little thing. This is this is from gosh from eight years ago. Yeah, this this is an old one. This is called Justin Bieber syndrome. I'm 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 not even sure as to how funny this one is now that I think about it. But here we go. Do you feel that everybody you associate Oh wait, let me turn that up just a little bang, let me turn that just a little bit. Okay, there we go. Do you feel that everybody you associate with is beneath you? Do you enjoy breathing ramified air? Do you believe that- Gosh, man, I sounded so much younger back then. <laughs> I sounded younger and I sound like I'm on helium. Do you feel that you're- Anyway. Do you feel that everybody you associate with is beneath you? Do you enjoy breathing ramified air? Do you believe that you are untouchable? Do you walk around like an insufferable douchebag? If you happen to answer yes to any of these questions, there's a strong possibility you might have Justin Bieber syndrome. I'm not fucking Justin Bieber, you motherfuckers! <laughs> Did you know that one out of every four Americans suffer from Justin Bieber syndrome? That's right. One out of every four Americans firmly believe that their shit doesn't stink. Here are some of the <laughs> side effects of this horrible disease. If you've ever felt the need to attend a basketball event in a leather skirt. If you've ever felt the need to inflate your ego at a national historical site. If you've ever felt the need to disillude yourself with everybody around you and think that you're the big prize. Or... If you've lost a PMSing match between Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears, <laughs> the cure for Justin Bieber syndrome is to get laid. So get some today. Due to strict RX laws, the cure for Justin Bieber syndrome is not valid in these following Canadian provinces. Quebec, New Brunswick, Ontario, and Nova Scotia. Justin Bieber syndrome. <laughs> Pull your head out of your ass today. <laughs> Wow, okay. Uh, now, full disclosure, when I was doing that, uh, when I was doing that disclaimer part, I, 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 wanted, to f I wanted to remember the, uh, the uh, I, I wanted to look up uh, uh, some names, because you know, Bieber's from Canada, and that music in the background, by the way, is from this group called Simple Plan. It's called Untitled, and the music video is very powerful. It shows the effects of drunk driving. And so when I went to go look it up, I'm looking up these, these, uh, 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 uh so I just went with the, uh, quick, uh, lookup. I just, I just typed into Google quiet nerds burp only near school because that's because, 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 because I, uh, uh, because I learned that in an episode of the Simpsons, the way to remember the four Canadian provinces, uh, quiet nerds burp only near school, Quebec, New Brunswick, Ontario, and Nova Scotia. So there you go. There's 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 that. That's uh, that that's why I was in that order too by the way. <laughs> I was I was I was inspired by the Simpsons to do a ridiculous bit about a ridiculous artist. <laughs> Gosh, wow. That was that 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 was I don't know. 
I mean, I kind of like that one. I thought that one was kind of funny. I don't know. You be the judge. <laughs> All right. Let's see what else. Uh, let's see. What do I want to play here? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I think I played this clip real quick. This is this is from the show Last Man Standing. Anybody who's listened to the show, you know that I have a big, big problem with social justice warriors in our current society. And so this is this is a little this little takeoff that they did on them uh, back in the day, as it were. And uh, I'll roll this, and I gotta then I'll well then it's almost the end of the program. So here we go. Do you want me to give you some notes before you send it in? Why, send it in? What do you mean? The faculty committee needs to approve it after they check for microaggressions. Microaggressions? You mean like midget warriors? No, they're objectionable words or phrases. For instance, midget warriors. I know what microaggressions are. It's the latest liberal attack at free speech. And a lot of fun if you do them right. The university has a list of stuff they don't allow speakers to say, you know, to protect the students. From what, ideas? It's just the way that my school does things, Dad. Please, my grade is riding on this. Fine. All right. Just pretend like you introduced me to thunderous applause. Some lady faints in the front row. Ladies and gentlemen. Okay, stop. No, they'll pick her up. Come on, EMS. Get her out of here. You can't say ladies and gentlemen because it excludes those who don't identify as either. Hmm. But those are the only two choices. No, not anymore. You just have to keep it gender neutral. Okay, please continue. Hey, everybody. America is the land of opportunity. I stand before you as... Okay, by saying that America is the land of opportunity, you are implying that everyone has the same opportunities. I'm not implying it, I'm saying it. If you live here and you work hard, you can succeed. That's uh, how this works. Yeah, that was on here too. It hurts the feelings of those who work hard and don't succeed. Where's the list of stuff that doesn't hurt people's feelings? That's got to be a short one. Seriously, my school takes this stuff, Dad. And remember the greater good here. You're helping me scan my way to passing ethics. This list is insane. If I go by these rules, I'll be going against everything I believe in. I know, but just for 15 minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. No, no, no. Can't call me Dad. What if I identify as Mom? <laughs> hey, babe. Yeah, hey. In a sec, I want to run the rewrite of my speech by you. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to hear what the new PC Mike Baxter has to say. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, it sounds a lot like the old Mike Baxter, but drunk in a locker room. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, Mandy's list was a good blueprint. You mean of what not to say? Oh, no, I got them all in there. So... <laughs> all right, uh, okay. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And all of you on the fence. Oh, God. <laughs> to quote future Nobel Prize winner Lee Greenwood, I'm proud to be an American. Not just because I have the right to speak my mind or carry an awesome gun, but because it's the land of opportunity. Some whiny babies might not think so, but in America, if you work hard, anyone can be successful. Anyone. 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 That goes on and on. I keep doing that. You cannot give that speech. You oh. cannot. Can. Not. <laughs> It would cause Mandy a lot of trouble. With a thought police who have their panties in a bunch, and that's in there. Got that in there. The thought police are never going to approve that speech. You know who else would approve the speech they want me to give? Me. And God, who I'm also not allowed to mention, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that's great. 
and uh and uh south park has just done story arc after story arc about pc culture there's a character pc principal all that stuff it's 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 craziness but anyway ladies and gentlemen that is gonna put well ladies and gentlemen this one is in the can Episode 492 of the Lawrence Ross Show, formerly the LRWS. I'm not restarting the uh, the counter, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to keep on moving, baby. Oh, Blackwater, keep on rolling. Mississippi Moon, won't you keep on shining on me? Yeah, keep on shining your light. All right. Well, everybody, this has been the Lawrence Ross Show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, folks, see with your heart and do good. Now I'm going to close out the show with two clips from Bill Hicks, one where he briefly mentions Easter, and then another one where he mentions Easter and Gideon Bibles. This has been the Lawrence Ross Show. Thanks for tuning in. See you with your heart. Do good. And I'll see you all next Friday on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Have a happy Easter. I know that I'm in a case of arrested development emotionally. I know that now. Because I realize, you know, like uh, if you, anyone can go to the video store near my house and see what I've rented the past year, it's fairly frightening, you know. <laughs> Unbelievable evidence of an emotionally, you know, uh, digression going on here. Porno movies and video games. <laughs> what am I, 13 emotionally? You know what I mean? I'm sitting there looking at this receipt I got from them. It's like Clam Lappers and Sonic Hedgehog. That was one weekend. That was Easter weekend. Something's going on with me, man. That's a pretty scary way to celebrate the resurrection of Christ with Clam Lappers and Sonic fucking Hedgehog. You know? I'm, I'm all, my big fear now is I'm going to go rent a porno film at this one store I go to a lot. I'm going to go rent a porno film and take it to the front, you know, and give it to the guy, and he's going to do a little deed, and suddenly, <laughs> you've just rented your millionth porno tape. <laughs> Get a picture of him with it. <laughs> Anal entry volume 500. He made it through every one of them. <laughs> Give me the little trophy. <laughs> Millionth porno tape. Wow, lucky fucking me. And along with Super Mario 2. I wish they combined video and porno. That would be great, man. You know, video games and porno films. I'd have high score on Clam Lappers by now. I wish they did have interactive porno. You know, they come out with this thing now, interactive movies. They, they're showing it in New York right now. Interactive movie. You watch a movie, then you determine which way you want the plot to go. This is fucked up. This is technology solely for porno films, as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? I am so sick of being ripped off. If you've got enough courage to make porno films, go ahead and be creative about it. You're, you're already over the, you know, you've jumped the chasm here. We're going to film people fucking and sucking. Cool now go crazy you already made the jump you are within the dark lord's terrain at this point there's no reason to get coy you're drugging up runaways down in fucking sunset boulevard right now i don't think you need to have morality plays going on in the porno tape go ahead and satisfy my carnal base fucking needs 
Interactive porno, that's the future, my friends. And then all dating will be history. Ah, well. Backed up. This is backed up Willie talking. I always get my most depressed when I'm backed up. I was over in Australia uh, during Easter, which was interesting. Interesting to note they celebrate Easter the same way we do, commemorating the death and resurrection of Jesus by telling our children a giant bunny rabbit. <laughs> left chocolate eggs in the night. Now, I wonder why we're fucked up as a race. Anybody, anybody got any clues out there? Or where do you get this shit from, you know? Why those two things, you know? Why not goldfish left Lincoln Logs in your sock drawer, you know? And as long as we're making shit up, go hog wild, you know? At least a goldfish with a Lincoln log on its back going across your floor to your sock drawer has a miraculous connotation to it. Mommy, I woke up today and there was a Lincoln log in my sock drawer. That's the story of Jesus. <laughs> Who comes up with this shit? I've read the Bible. I can't find the word bunny or chocolate anywhere in that fucking book. Y'all have different books of the Bible than I do? Are y'all Gideons? Who are the fucking Gideons? Ever met one? No. Ever seen one? No. But they're all over the fucking world putting Bibles in hotel rooms. Every hotel room. This Bible was placed here by a Gideon. When? I've been here all day. I ain't seen shit. I saw the housekeeper come and go. I saw the minibar guy come and go. I've never laid eyes on a fucking Gideon. What are they, ninjas? Where are they? Where are they from? Gideon? What the fuck are these people? I'm gonna capture a Gideon. I'm gonna make that my hobby. I am. I'm gonna call the front desk one day. Yeah, I don't seem to have a Bible in my room. You are the motherfucking Antichrist! You've been listening to the Lawrence Ross Show. Email the show, lawrence at gmail.com. There's a letter in your mailbox. Follow him on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all ending in forward slash blindlawrence. Be careful of the fucking wall! Check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross. Become a fan of the show on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Ross 1987 I'll send your shiny happy ass a friend request. Rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes, or follow the show on Spotify. Search Lawrence Ross. Get out and take your Sacagawea dollars with you. This week's edition of the Lawrence Ross Show Yikes! has just hit the brakes. Keep your ugly fucking gold brickin' ass out of my beach community. You lose! Good day, sir! I was making radio shows for fun. Everybody does it. At least everybody I know does. Shut up! And baba booey to y'all. <laughs>